welcome to the Nerd Party. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Second Contact. This is episode two. Woohoo! We've done it. <laughs> My name is Charlene Schmidt, and with me, as always, is Tristan Riddell. All right, buddy. We are here for the episode Envoys. Are you ready? I am ready. And I just want to say thank you so much to the people who were wished us well on us coming back together and who retweeted us and liked us on Facebook and shared the message, liked us on Instagram. Everyone who gave us all those great comments about us being back. It really was heartwarming and really fun to see and hear and it was we we got great numbers from our first episode and it just it's it's so nice to be back and it's so nice to see the listeners rejoice with us <laughs> indeed it is good to be back number 1 and number 2 I thought after taking a break maybe people just really wouldn't care too much but uh you know what turns out some people actually like to hear us talk which I mean <laughs> is very flattering I can't fully explain this, but you know what? If you guys are getting a kick out of it, we are too. We've always had this philosophy of we're going to podcast like nobody's listening. This is for us. But the fact that other people do get a kick out of it, do comment, do subscribe and do all those things. it I mean, it just reminds you, hey, you know what? There are other people out there and they do care about what you have to say. Whoa. Okay. And one other thing that they have been doing is leaving us a review in the iTunes store. That's right. So I want to give some shout outs to some of those people who have been writing reviews for us in the U.S. iTunes store. If you've done an international review, we will get to you. It takes a little time for these things to circulate. So if we don't call your name today, don't worry about it. We will eventually get to you. We will tr do our best to round up everybody <laughs> going forward. But for today, who, here's who we have. JD2088. We have Thad Hate, Sean Dorman, uh, S.E. Henning, I hope I'm doing that correctly, and Awful Dreams. Well, I hope your dreams get better. Everybody gave us five stars, wrote us lovely reviews. Thank you guys so much for doing that. We really appreciate it. And if you guys like what we're doing and want to take the time, it only takes a second. Go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Uh, if you if you give us a five-star review, we'll mention you on the show. Uh, but you can give us any kind of review you want, any kind of rating that you want, but five-star gets you a mission on the show. And I know that not everybody uses Apple Podcasts, but that is the easiest way for us to find you because uh, we get notifications when that happens. But if you leave us a review someplace else, what you can do is take a screenshot of, of your review and send it to us via email. You can find us at thenerdparty.com slash contact. Select second contact from the drop-down menu, fill out the form, and it will send us a message. And we really do appreciate it. You can find us uh, everywhere online as well. You can find us on social media. You can find us on Instagram and on Facebook searching The Nerd Party. You can find us on Twitter at Join The Nerd Party. Uh, join Nerd Party, excuse me. And you can find us personally on Twitter as well. You can find me under The Insane Robin. And you can find me at Oh The Profanity. Now, this is episode two, Char. This That's is, right. Uh, this is no longer the premiere episode. We're getting down and dirty. Uh, deeper <laughs> and deeper into the show. And so we are ready to do our commentary. Are you ready? I am ready. Let's get down and dirty. Let's see what the show is really made of. So what we did last week and what we're doing this week, again, is we're going to start 
after the CBS All Access logo. So if you guys want to queue it up and pause it so that it's timed with us, that's a good idea because we're going to give you a <laughs> three, two, one countdown and that's where you can hit play and let it go. Remember, it is after the CBS All Access logo. All right, right, Char, will you do the honors? You got it. Queued up. Three, two, one, go. All right. The beautiful Cerritos. Look at this thing. Okay, no. Are you having flashbacks to the child right now? Because I am. That's the first thing I thought of. I was just like, oh my God, I hope no one winds up pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> but for real though, we know what this thing does. Get away. It will impregnate you. Stop it. This was, this scene really got me laughing because it almost feels like Mariner is... I don't know how how do I phrase it. It's almost like Mariner is the audience where she she's such a she knows the universe so well that she knows all the Star Trek tropes so well. <laughs> Which like it's no no true. this is a bad guy. This is a bad guy. We got to put it away. <laughs> it's true. She really I mean she knows instantly how to handle this this energy being. But why of all things does she want a tricorder? Look, okay, it has the it's purple a stripe. Tri it's got the purple stripe, Char. Come on. But Why wouldn't you want a tricorder with a purple stripe? Hello, replicators. <laughs> but maybe she can't get one right away because she is lower decks. Like, they're <laughs> rationing out the technology. That's got to be it, right? It's always going to the senior staff first. They get the top-rated, new, state-of-the-art material. But then, okay, so this thing is still around, right? Now, look. Captain? Pregnant. Now, <laughs> I don't know if she's pregnant. I think <laughs> I think it probably is going to take over her body and we're going to see some weird stuff in the next episode. And mm. that's one thing that was really interesting is that I thought this was going to be the plot of the episode and it's not. Yes. So this is inevitably going to come back and haunt us and the Cerritos, right? Because they can't just leave this hanging. No, 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 no. And this kind of shows us I think probably how things are going to go with the show where it's going to be episodic. It's going to be like, here you go. This is the episode adventure. It's going to be like the old days just with animation, but they're going to have a little bit of seeds of continuity. Now, this isn't going to be big continuity, I don't think, but it's going to be, it's sowing the seeds for the next episode and maybe going forward. That's how it's going to be. And I think that's pretty interesting from this type of animation and this type of Star Trek show. Yeah. I like it. It makes you pay a little more attention, whether you're a new viewer or if you're a longtime Star Trek fan. You put this in the back of your brain and you are going to remember down the road, at least we better, when we revisit this. Oh, yeah, that happened. Okay, now we're facing some consequences. Let's go. Now, we did find out, like in the opening sequence, you can see the Cerritos. It has the, ye the yellow stripe on it. We've never seen that before on a starship and Mike McMahon, the creator of the show, uh, divulged what that means. He's, he says, oh. he's like, well, we're taking the uniform colors and applying it to starships like you've never seen before. So the Cerritos, oh. since it's a support ship, it mainly supports in engineering needs. That's why it has the yellow stripe. Oh, hey, I had no idea that was a, an intentional thing. How cool is that? And so if you have a support ship that's mainly like delivering medical supplies or scientific equipment, it's going to be a blue stripe. Or if you Whoa. have something that does with command endeavors or like transporting ambassadors, it's going to have a red stripe. Okay, that's pretty cool. I want I like to backtrack that. just one quick moment because we didn't talk about Captain Freeman's auditioning of a new possible bridge catchphrase. 
you know, with so many ships out there, there's got to be a, a huge kind of lockdown on what you can use as an original catchphrase <laughs> for engage, let's go to warp, and she's trying, it's warp time. What do you think about that? Is that a winner? No, I do. I think she needs to <laughs> workshop that idea a little bit more. Because okay, yeah. so we have, we have um, Picard who says engage and make it so. Like engage is, is pretty standard, but yeah, I mean, yeah. he made it his own. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Janeway that says do it. You know, <laughs> yes. and what did what did Cisco does Cisco have one? I can't remember. You know, I think Cisco doesn't really care too much about that. He I think varies it up a little bit. He doesn't have a catchphrase. He doesn't care about having a catchphrase. Mm-hmm. But I think if you are going to be like a great memorable captain, Captain Freeman is thinking, look, I better have my catchphrase. That's right. I mean, Pike has hit it, right? Right. Which is one of my favorites. Also, punch it. Let's punch, punch it. Punch it from the Kelvin verse. Absolutely. That's right. So I think she needs to keep working on it. There's other possibilities out there. She hasn't quite hit her mark yet. So this kind of this made me nervous when Rutherford said that he was gonna go find a new career. I was like, <laughs> I hope, like I hope he doesn't do that. Actually, changes his career just to get closer to a girl or impress a girl. Right? But I'm glad that they went back on that towards the end of the episode where he went back to engineering, which is what he loved. Yes. I mean, the story, it's adorable. I love how he auditions different roles on the ships. But think about that. If somebody were to really do that, that's a little extreme. It's a little extreme. And and, and I'm glad they went against that. I, I'm glad that he tried it out. <laughs> and he's like, no, this isn't for me. Yes. Now, one thing that I do get a kick out of is every time he switches tracks, everybody is really super supportive. He's going to go yes. find himself. We love it. Rutherford. It's so great because it, it really <laughs> shows that like, yeah, they like sometimes the senior officers can be a jerk, but they're still Starfleet officers and they're still good people because it's that it's that thing where humans have evolved. And, you know, like, <laughs> you're like, yes, there can still be jerks. There can still be a-holes and everything like that. But it really does show like, no, we're great. You find yourself. Be true to yourself. Yes. I almost feel like it's a almost a Starfleet trope, though, where we love you and we support you no matter who and what you want to be. Yeah. I love it, though. Okay. So what do you think? This is the first time we saw engineering. Um, actually, no. We saw, the, we saw the warp core in the first episode. We did. I feel like we're getting a better look at engineering in the scene. What do you think about this warp core? I feel like it's a I feel like it's a blend between the Enterprise D and the in the Enterprise E. Like it has Oh, yeah, the aesthetics call. of Enterprise D, but it has the the grandiose large largeness for better lack, lack of a better term of <laughs> uh-huh. the Enterprise E cuz Enterprise E was much bigger. Yes. than the D. And it, yeah, it just seems sort of just like they it has sort of that central view too. Like mm-hmm. you can see it pulse. It is the heartbeat of the ship. I like it, but it's not my favorite. Voyager still gets that honor. This one, I, this one looks pretty sweet. I like this one. Like I, I think <laughs> Voyager, the swirl effect is my favorite, but I like the layout of this one because it it looks more futuristic. It looks more amped up. It feels like something the Kelvin verse should have done. Uh huh. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. I feel like that would have been a good bridge. Um, I, other than like because they did like a, you know, like they did the beer. Thing, like the, uh, <laughs> the brewery, yes. The brewery. The actual brewery. And then they went towards, in, in Into Darkness, they show something just just a behemoth of an engineering section that would not have fit in, the, in that Yeah, ship. no, no. I mean, really, the warp or engineering and the warp core design that they're portraying here, as well as in First Contact and in the, the Enterprise E yeah. and the D, they make a lot more sense. 
Now that was like with the with the Klingon Cor- Corin, um, mm-hmm. when he was saying he's like, let me tell, let me update you on, on my mini sexual conquests. <laughs> what all two of them? What a great comeback, Mariner. I do like that this. I'm, you know, Star Trek has always been a little stuffy mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to innuendo until it's not. Like sometimes you're just looking <laughs> back on it, you're just like, oh my god, Star Trek's really horny. It really can be. I mean, I kind of remember when Voyager tried to do a, a, a dick joke, and it was maybe about 50-50. Oh, wait, you're talking about like when he said, I made an addition to my program? No, I was talking about in the Q in the gray, and Q says, is it the tattoo? Because mine's bigger, and Janeway has to come back with not big enough. Ah, I thought that was fine. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. What really sells it is Mulgrew's expression when she, when Janeway kind of smirks at Q, like, dude, stop. I love this. I love that there's an outpost and, it, oh, also many older shuttles in the background there. Like we got to see some <laughs> different designs from out the yes. years. It's pretty cool. It's good so stuff. So this outpost, it has, I love that it has different sections. It's like a Chinatown. Yes. Also, palm trees in the background. Palm trees. Beautiful. <laughs> it's so to, uh, Klingon buildings. Yes, this is fantastic. We didn't even talk yet about the DS9 style Ractagino mugs that mm-hmm. Mariner and what is his name? Uh, Corin. 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 Thank you. We're slugging down all sorts of beverages in. That was cool. Don't drink and fly, folks. <laughs> right? This is what happens. Lessons for everybody to take note. This the This episode is just an absolute grab bag of easter eggs and callbacks to different races and it there's is. just so much that we see i mean we, we see um we see morn species uh-huh what that was so cool that like we see both types of klingons we see 24th century klingons and we see discovery era klingons yes just goes to show there's a lot of explanations for that whole thing and it's okay and it's like i it, it honestly like it that in this in itself, like this show, I know it's animated, and I'm sure some people could argue that it's canon adjacent, you know, uh, just like the original animated yeah, series. Yeah, which, yeah. you know, what I'm I'm not trying to start a kerfuffle here. Like I'm I'm not trying to say like if if that's how it is, fine. You know, like think the craziness is going on here. Like way things that are outside of the realm of normal live action Star Trek, things that probably would never happen in live action Star Trek, and that's fine because it's animated. It's crazy. Just yes, just calm down. But it gives a little bit more credence to what the creators of Discovery said that when uh, when and if Worf comes on board to Picard, he's going to look like Worf. Right. And so right. us seeing Discovery era Klingons and 24th century era Klingons in this scene gives credence to that. Yeah. I think it's totally cool to be merging these universes as we go. Who's to say that there's only just a couple types of Klingons anyway? Mm-hmm. Think about how many different varieties of humans there are in terms of look. It would just be really nice if Discovery did that as well. (laughs) Yeah, but the fact that they're doing it here is awesome. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes. Well, once again, we have Boimler (laughs) being mauled to death by an alien species. That's okay, though. You know, one thing I had a concern about starting this episode before I kind of figured out where this whole thing was going is... Mariner is sort of overtaking Boimler's time to shine, right? Mm-hmm, but no, mm-hmm. that's not in fact what this story is about at all because Boimler really does need her. He's very book smart. She's got the common sense and street smarts. Together, they're quite a good team. 
and she is going to kind of keep him in check and he or she is going to kind of keep him safe. <laughs> she, they have a brother sister thing going, which I love. Now, that's not a Denobulan behind command, is it? On the bridge, that guy right there? Golly, I can't really tell. I don't I don't think so. I think Denobulans had more spots. I think you're right. Maybe he's half Denobulan. Casualties 105%. <laughs> How does that even happen? Also, I really want to know, what is the Janeway protocol? What is it? That was the biggest thing that I walked away from. Yes, this is the biggest loose thread in this whole episode that I have to know. It's like you can't just drop that kind of knowledge and then... And then let, let it sit. Like, we got to know what the Janeway protocol is. Right? I need some follow through here. Now, I love the fact that this is not necessarily meant to be a Kobayashi Maru. And yet, every time, that's what it turns into. I love that. The kindergarten on deck eight is gone. Pre-K <laughs> is gone. Think All the, the ship's children. children have been ejected into space. It's so freaking funny. <laughs> so overly dramatic. I love the exaggeration of lower yes. decks. I know some people don't. Immediately, every single person on the on the on the bridge crew had blood on their face <laughs> of from course. One, one bump, and then boom, <laughs> boom. So this episode has a lot going on. Like, the, if if I had one criticism, it'd probably be that there's just probably too much going on in the plot between Mariner and um, boy, uh, boiler, boimler. <laughs> Boimler, Not boiler, boimler. Boimler. It's, it's just they're throwing so much at you. But it didn't ruin it for me. It's just like that's my one criticism. It's just like you could have toned it down a little bit, focused a little bit more. But then again, it's animation, so whatever. Also, consider the fact that on a first viewing, yeah, it is intense. It's a lot to take in. You might not take everything in. And you know what mm -hmm. that does? It makes for good rewatch value. I love that there. Why? Why? Why would there be a Ryza outpost? Because <laughs> why not? <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's all sorts of neighborhoods on this place. And also, like the 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 bikini bottoms with the suspender straps on the men. We've I know that before. We see. We before. have. I love how many little jokes that they put in, or they are putting into the show so far. If you know it, you know it. If not, like for my husband, who's not the biggest Trek fan, we watched the first episode. A lot of things totally over his head didn't really matter, didn't affect his enjoyment of it. But for those of us who know, we know. <laughs> All right. Rutherford in blue now. Mm -hmm. So I think this is the first episode. I read this on Memory Alpha. This is the first episode of Star Trek where we see one character in all three colors in one episode. Oh, nice. That's cool. Yeah. His bedside manner is a little bit to be desired. <laughs> You only have a small chance to die. Yeah. Well, only a little bit. Only 18%. Now 20. Keep it going. So is this guy in the bed a Bajoran? I'm thinking like he's this got guy? nose ridges. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. But yeah. where's the earring? Oh, maybe he's not a, you know, maybe he's not a believer. Maybe he's not. He doesn't care about his, his family connection to the prophets. I don't know. Maybe That's his possible. paw is weak. <laughs> or, I mean, hey, I mean. Who's to say that every single Bajoran has to be a believer? And also on top of that, you know, like wrinkles on the nose is is pretty common in Star Trek. So <laughs> That's also true. It could be in any number of aliens, right? But speaking yeah. of Bajorans, we're now auditioning security. And we have in the ring a bunch of Borg. 
he calls this a smorgasbord, which is which just was hilarious. Adorable. <laughs> that was so good and clever. And look how sexy the uh, the the female Borg are portrayed. That's totally got to be like a seven of nine reference. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, right? And he, yeah, Rutherford is absolutely killing it as a security officer. He he's using that mechanical knowledge to kick some butt. Now, when he um, when he started kicking butt in in this scene i was like oh okay they're gonna make him a part of security now so that way he stays yellow he stays i was thinking gold. that too i thought oh perfect yeah yeah so that way they don't have to change the look of his character that way they get red gold and blue in the in the four group sure but uh that's definitely where my my brain was going but i'm glad they didn't go that route yeah for reasons that i stated earlier right yeah, I mean, it's a fun B-plot, right? Where he's just going through all of these things. It's totally goofy. Nobody would ever really do this. But it is mm-hmm. kind of fun to see somebody try. Well, what would this be like? What if I were a security officer? Boimler is trigger happy, wouldn't you say? <laughs> he certainly was just a moment ago. I think, I mean, his nerves are so rattled at this point. He is really feeling out of his league here. And so I think... You know, when people get kind of out of their element, the first thing they turn to, right, is getting a little angry. So I think that's what's happening to him is he's kind of slowly giving up and he's turning to his first line of defense, which is unfortunately the worst defense. Now, we just saw some Endorian weapons that were first introduced in Enterprise. That's right. And That's right. I, I love that. We do not get enough Andorians in Star Trek. We don't. So we're getting them here. I wonder if in the future we'll see a few more. That would be fantastic. I don't understand why we haven't seen any Andorian Starfleet officers. You know, we should. We should see Tellarite Starfleet officers. We should see Andorians. Because they're all for- founding members yeah. of, the, of, the, of the Federation. It just... Yeah. So his Boimler's pants are off. (laughs) (laughs) Why? (laughs) They're just straight up off. There's no explanation. He is just so done, the poor guy. Now, this is my absolute favorite part of the episode. Is when he starts, you know, getting really depressed on himself. And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to go to a research station and (laughs) things are going to go wrong. I'm going to I'm going to die. And like they're going to Starfleet's going to send people to investigate and then they're gonna they're not gonna figure out what happens until they t- till they figure out a way to watch my logs and it's just <laughs> he's really having an existential crisis at this point the poor guy and of course this is not going that's not the way it's going to go Marino will not let that happen I absolutely love what she is about to do here where this was supposed to be Boimler's mission to shine right and she's kind of had to take over everything. Mm-hmm. And he feels so completely inadequate, and she's going to lift him up. Yes, and it was it was nice to to see her give him the option to kind of get his confidence back. Yeah, she could tell that he really needed it. She comes through. I mean, she is a good mentor. She has kind of a heart of gold. I love her so much. You know, she knows the rules just well enough to break them. It would have been nice if he didn't, you know, rub it in her face. <laughs> Because she clearly knew the difference between a Ferengi and a Bullion. <laughs> sure, but hey, let him have it, right? Let him have this win. He needs it more than anything. 
it's amazing that he loves being in a Jeffrey's tube because constantly we hear people <laughs> only complain about Jeffrey's tubes. Yes. Well, that's when you know you really are meant to be an engineer. And he, I mean, he really is. He's such a freaking nerd. He is Jordy on steroids. I love it, though. And once again, he's cheered on. It's so great. <laughs> it's so great. Now, this, uh, that, uh, that character, the security chief, uh-huh. he's a lieutenant. And but he's he looks a little older older because of the gray hair. Yes. But when you think about, I know that Roe was in Starfleet well before, uh, Bejor became a part of the Federation. Um. But and I'm not, I can't remember. Do we? I don't know if we have any canon knowledge of of when and if Bejor became a member of the Federation yet. But the mm. fact that he's a lieutenant and a little bit older, but still a security chief, gives a little credence to that to Bajor coming into the Federation. Um, you, you know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not yeah. articulating it very well, but like, like you'd think that he would be a lieutenant commander like Tuvok or like Worf at the end of, of TNG being a security chief. But if he started a little bit later, you know, he might have to work his, him, work his way up is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, totally. You can, I guess, through that context, come to the conclusion that yes, Bajor did enter into the Federation and the moment that happened, he signed up and enlisted. Now, what do you think about this, this portrayal of the Ferengis? I was a little disappointed because I thought we were past this. Well, I think it just goes to show, I mean, this is supposed to be maybe a little bit of a hint that this isn't really a Ferengi. Like, he's playing to the stereotypes so hardcore. Why are parking tickets a thing <laughs> also in the future? That's such a dirty shame. But anyway. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, like with Boimler saying, like, like you, Ferengis are the most untrust, untrustworthy races in the galaxy like or tr- species in the galaxy that kind of bothered me because i felt like we kind of put that behind us post voyager uh maybe not necessarily and maybe for the ds9 world yes but to the federation at large maybe not maybe i mean it's hard to break stereotypes and that that was one ste- that was one stereotype that always really bothered me yeah so i mean i think people are still weary of the ferengi and think of them in a certain way One thing I did have to do was to double check and make sure that the person who was voicing that Ferengi was not Armin Shimmerman. (laughs) And it turns out, just in case you're curious, no, it is not him. According to Memory Alpha, it's someone named Tom Kenny, and he's done a lot of animation voice work, uh, particularly known for being in SpongeBob. There you go. Yes. I love this Tin Forward. It's so good. Wait, is it called Tin Forward or? No, I don't know if we know the name of it at the moment. It's just maybe the bar, the mess hall. Okay. But Mariner's playing this so perfectly. Okay, guys, I gotta go. I'm gonna pretend like I'm wallowing, but I'm really not. You know, you can tell she walks off with a smile on her face, yeah. shaking her head. Let him have a moment. It's so great. Now, Tendy and Rutherford, what do you think about these two? Are they a cute couple? I think so. I think they're definitely going towards that. And then, like, the shot after this, like, when they're actually in the, the in Jeffrey's the tube. tube together. Yes. It was a very, it was an, it was a very adorable um, shot with the it two really of them leaning was. up against each other back to back. Yeah. Yeah. They're both kind of right, getting what this. they want. No one is in pajamas here. No one's in pajamas, but yeah. they're sleeping. Y'all sleeping in your uniforms? What is what's, this? What's going on here? Come on. Come now. on. I mean, even Mariner normally, when she's off duty, kind of has her jacket unbuttoned a little bit she, you know it's loose here 
Straight-laced. she about to go on duty or what? We still don't know what Jamaharan is. No. Another loose thread that maybe will come back. So yeah, these two are totally cute. They don't even realize what is happening to it's them. Adorable. They're such nerds. It's great, though. And that's it. That's the episode. And then we have the preview for on the next Star Trek Lower Decks. And everybody has like, or at least the captain at this point has like definitely like dark circles under her eyes. Kind of gives credence to the whole blue ball that went into her chest thing. Yeah, what's happening? I have a feeling that we're going to have a possessed captain in the next episode. Oh, no. I mean, we've seen what happens with that. A la Discovery. This is bad news. And the first officer is proving once more that he's a a perfect mix between Riker and Kirk with tearing (laughs) off his shirt. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Hey, we should mention that that number one retweeted this podcast. Yes, he did. Yes, Jerry O'Connell retweeted us. Uh, in our show post announcing that we were back and that we were uh, and that we were moving forward. And you know what? I, I hope he listened. I kind of hope so, too. I kind of wonder what he thought, if he did, if he had time. But regardless, that was so freaking cool. It gave us a kick. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it was. And so if you're listening, Mr. O'Connell, number one, thank you. Yes, absolutely. And we love you. And you are number one. Okay. We've watched the episode. Overall, what do you think? Is this show kind of starting to figure itself out? I think uh, I, I think it's a bit early to say it's figuring itself out because there's only two episodes. Uh, but I think I enjoyed this more than the first episode. I think it was... Uh, I thought one of my major criticisms of the first episode was Mariner was almost intolerable. Mm. I thought she was way too active. I thought she was way too spastic. It was just too much. Her personality was too much. And I know that was the point... And I know that's what they were trying to convey, but at the same time, it's not, when you do it so much, it becomes not entertaining to watch. But with Uh this one, I did not feel that way at all. I think they definitely toned her down a little bit, maybe realized that, like, after they made the episode, they're like, eh, you know, or after they did the animatics of the first episode, Uh you know, they're just like, okay, let's let's tone her down for the second one. Because, yeah, I did not feel like that at all. So what did you think of the second episode? I now granted I haven't watched the this episode as much as I've watched Second Contact because I have watched Second Contact a few times at this point already but yes it's a very enjoyable episode it might rank a little higher for me than Second Contact just because I feel like they are doing good work here they are establishing Mariner and Boimler as a dynamic duo Mm -hmm. as our main Mm -hmm. characters they're solidifying that doing a great job. I enjoy their interaction. They balance each other so well. We had a fun B story with Rutherford. And uh, we have some loose ends that we need to figure out. And overall, it was just really cool to see the attention to detail that this show is putting in. For those of us who are longtime fans, we can watch this show several times and we're probably going to see something new in the background. That's fun! Yeah, there's there's a lot of fun. I, that's one really interesting thing about this show is the Easter eggs that they pop in, the little references that only hardcore fans will get. And it doesn't detract from the story. It only adds to it. And if you miss it and if you don't realize it, it's no big deal. You mm-hmm. didn't miss out on anything. But yes. if, you do, if you do recognize it, it gives you that much more joy. Yeah. So overall, I would say a lot of the things I liked from the first episode were done even better here. Things like the Easter eggs. You mentioned in our last episode that at the very end, you thought maybe throwing out so many names was a little heavy-handed. Well, they didn't mm-hmm. do that here, but they threw in probably just as many, if not more, references. 
when she had a dream she was dreaming uh, like she was sleeping in the in the in the shuttlecraft oh and yes, she started yes. quoting Khan. yes <laughs> that was pretty good that that's funny that in itself is funny yes yes character wise i i'm already in love with all of these folks i love them <laughs> they're fantastic i appreciate tendy's just young enthusiasm everything she's doing it pretty much for the first time so it's all exciting rutherford is just so completely oblivious all he can see is uh jeffrey tube stuff and he's totally willing to put in several days of work to make things happen i mean he's such an engineer <laughs> i'm glad he kind of got back on track on his path mariner she is i think she said it best in the first episode yes i am complicated thank you She's fantastic. She's not perfect by any means as a person. She's willing to do, I think they even say in the preview, she's willing to do the wrong things, but for the right reasons, which is going to land her into some situations. Yes. Yeah, so, like, I think she says like, sometimes you have to do the wrong thing to get things done or, or some, something like yes, that. Yes. Yeah. Something like that, which I think is really going to help us learn more about her backstory, about why she's been demoted and gone to several ships at this point, because both she and Boimler strike me as not fresh out of the Academy, like Tendi, but they've got maybe just what, two to five years Starfleet experience, if that. Maybe, maybe Mariner's got a little more on Boimler at this point. I, I think she definitely does because, like, they even made a reference to that where, she, like, he asks if Mariner and Corinne know each other. And she's like, oh, yeah, we go way back. And he's like, we're about the same age. How much further back can you, know, like... Yeah. <laughs> so they've got to be, like, mid to later 20s. So with her, with her being around the same age as him, she... And him being an ensign and, and her being an ensign, like, she must have progressed really fast then out of the Academy. Like, Captain Kirk style out of the Academy. Maybe so. She might have been a little bit of a hot shot coming straight out of the Academy. Also, consider the fact that both of her parents are Starfleet. She might have been raised on a ship. True, and maybe a little nepotism. Maybe a little bit, and maybe she made some connections in the process. Mm-hmm. Not about what you know, but who you know. Right? And yeah, so that's gotten her both, I'm sure, in positive ways as well as negative. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, that's it. That's the show for this week, you guys. All right. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. Please continue to listen. Make sure to subscribe at whatever service uh, you listen to us on. Uh, again, if, you, if we're not on your favorite service, just use the RSS feed to, to plug it in there. And uh, as we talked about at the top of the show, if you give us a, a five-star review on Apple, Apple Podcasts, uh, we'll mention you on the show. But you can give us any kind of rating, and we appreciate any, any kind of time that you spend with us listening to us or reviewing us. And yeah. please make sure to go to thenerdparty.com for tons of other shows. We have another Star Trek show on the website, on, on the on the network, uh, called SETI Alpha 3. And they're doing Lower Deck stuff too right now. They're doing it a little bit different than us. They're not doing commentaries. They're doing pure analysis. And you guys should definitely check it out. You absolutely should check it out. Go to thenerdparty.com to find that show. And also, you can find Shar and I's older show, called Punch It Writing in Star Trek. If you're in the Star Trek mood, we got yeah. a lot of episodes there and they're archived there. So just go to thenerdparty.com for all of your Star Trek podcast needs. That's right. For when you can't get enough. So until next week, everybody, what is my tag? Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.